Welcome to Rosé All Day Anyway. Anyways. Anyway, with Erica and Katie. Yay! So today we are so excited that we are going to be talking about women in the media, how we're portrayed in the media, what roles we play in the media, and to do that today. Because I'm famous. Because Katie's famous, because we're all famous in our heads. And as we said in our last episode, we now have 3 million followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Totally true. Believe four that. 4 million it's now? Up to 4 million. Totally true. Believe that. Believe it as much as you would believe Donald Trump. And so today, we have a guest <laughs> who we've already made laugh once, so score, to help us talk about it, who is someone who I've known for a very, I mean, like at least like 10 or 11 years, a at very least. long time. Wow. The better part of a decade. Uh, yeah, yeah, better part of a decade. Lori McCorder, who is the I'm going to read this to make sure I say it right. The brand director of media and sponsorship at Live Nation. Yeah, hi. Welcome, Lord. Welcome. I'm happy to be here. Can you tell us what you're? Oh, should we have a? No, I'm just going to have a say it now because I love following you on Twitter. So I just want you to say what your Twitter handle is right uh, now. My Twitter handle is L A M one zero eight six. Yeah, she's real funny. Immediately on gives away my age. Um, what is it again? L A M one zero eight six one zero eight six. I feel like we should have had her say that at the end. But oh, wait, like, aren't we birthday twins? No, we're like two Close. days apart. Okay, we're there. Right, you're right, the right. fourth, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're we're second? like three days first. We're just a couple of days apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I like we can never go to each other's birthday parties because we're probably doing They're it on the, on the same, same weekend. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you it's gotta like, have a combo birthday one year. One year. Mm. But you're you're younger than me, right? How you're thirty two? Mm. I'm thirty two. But I just turned thirty three. Oh, so like I'm, I'm like very oh, like younger we, than anyone. Like we couldn't like do like a combo like thirty eighth birthday party or mm-hmm. anything because it, no. it's all off. It's all when, off. When is yours? October first, fourth, fourth. Mm-hmm. Katie's just a couple weeks before. I'm September seventeenth. Oh, nice. And I'm I was 32. supposed to be September seventeenth. I, oh. I was. I was weeks late. I think I was supposed to be September 26th or something. And then my mother said, I will have this baby by the end of September. So naturally, she went to labor at like 11.30 p.m. on September 30th. I was like, I'll show you, lady. <laughs> I do what I want. So yeah, I was... Um, I was, I was- very bossy and i was like i'm not i'm not ready yeah. i'm not done yeah i got time <laughs> took an extra two and a half weeks to make this i like this waterbed <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I, I actually had a waterbed at a very inappropriate age i was like six and i had my uncle's used waterbed <laughs> yeah, as an adult that's gross as hell but when i was little it was the best thing that's actually i had my parents used waterbed in mm-hmm. high school and it yeah I, I didn't ask for it. <laughs> I was just, like, given it. Yeah, you just get them. Mm-hmm. No one asks for a mm-hmm. used water bed. Mm-hmm. My you parents loved them. me, and I just got, like, a regular bed. <laughs> yeah, we, we, just, we somehow every show discuss how much Erica's family loves her. <laughs> it's a running theme. Media. Women, women and okay, family. Love. I mean, I have a goal to turn my dad into a reality TV star. So it all fits in. One day he'll be on the show. Oh my God! Oh, yeah, we. I guess that would be a good episode. I'd need a the second bottle of rosé. Erica, what are we drinking? Speaking of rosé, <laughs> we are drinking the Louise Jadot rosé. Your French is getting better. Yes, 
it, it, thank goodness. Funde, founded, I'm sure that means, in <laughs> 1859. Guess. I don't know how to say that in French. Um, <laughs> it is, of course, as every other bottle of rosé we've drank on this show from 2017. A good, good year. Fine yeah. year for <laughs> Fine rosé. Fine year for rosé. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. And, you know, it says on the back of the bottle, I should take a photo of this so I don't forget it, that it is a dry, light, fresh and fruity rosé. How do we feel about that? I feel like all rosés are labeled that. Yeah, like say. Mm. Okay, but guys, let's say but we honestly, were to. It's nice that they say that because most wines are just like pick us by our label. These ones are like this is actually oh, that's this why is I the flavor it. that you're. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I that's like, why I would. But if you happen to turn it around, you yeah. would know what it tasted like. I said that's a cool looking label that we haven't had yet. Let's do this one. And if you can have it with salad. Pasta dishes, grilled fish, or cold meats. What cold meats? <laughs> like deli cuts? I get, yeah, prosciutto. <laughs> like a turkey club? Oh, okay. I was yeah, thinking like prosciutto. A- like, you know, you're going to have it with some goat cheese get, and prosciutto. Get your cold cuts and your rosé. <laughs> look, all I'm saying, if you gave me a meal that would like some cheese, some prosciutto, the bread, not the cracker, but like the baguette Do bread. Do Yeah. And like rosé, that's good. I mean, that's I don't a, need a real dinner. It's not a meal. No, but I could get full. Well, for sure. And <laughs> add strawberries <laughs> and but Nutella. A full meal does not. A full belly does not a meal make. That's I think true. we know that we're recording this before Erica's had dinner, and yeah. she's been starving herself because she's getting dinner made for her. <gasps> so that's not. I just ate like two. I had a really late lunch. It like two hours ago. Well, somebody's making you dinner tonight. Yeah, but like, I'm not like starving myself for it what are you getting i don't know mm, surprise dinner so he's making you dinner yeah Who he's made getting? me food before who's making you dinner erica a person is making me dinner who's made me dinner before one day is he a good cook yeah oh yeah. he's actually like yeah so your cook, voice cook. went really high on that yeah no but not like it's a lie like, <laughs> like he's like lie. he's like a good good cook what is it one time like he Maybe like a bohit, like it was like a, God, I can't remember. It was like a chicken, like stuffed burrito that was really good. Oh. He like tends to have food and it's like he cooks for himself. So oh. he'll often have food like left in the fridge and like, okay. can like eat what I want that's in there. But yeah, he's like cooking. Yes, Katie. <laughs> Katie like can't. She's just like besides herself. It's my favorite part of the show. It is her my favorite, favorite segment. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Erica's Erica mystery man? I want, I want to play, like, remember last time we were talking with Zach about that dream phone? Yeah. Last the episode? Game? Yeah. Girl, t- girl talk and what was it? Dream phone? Dream phone was Well, the now we game. can't edit this, like, that out, which I wanted to, but keep going. <laughs> we're not editing now. <laughs> it's just so long. Anyway, dream phone was where you picked it up and it was like, I can't wait to mm-hmm. meet you. Mm-hmm. I'm at the mall. And then there were, like, certain dudes at the mall. Yep, that's essentially the game that I'm playing on this podcast is Erica's dream phone. So I'm saying, listeners, we know that he cooks. Fair. We already gave away a really big can a long time ago. He makes burritos. We gave, we gave away, I'm not going to say what it was, but we gave away a really big hint in an earlier episode. So if people didn't get it from that... Like you could. I mean, people like if you. Don't I mean, know, all my friends, all my friends know, and my you know people in my family know. But like, if you went back to an earlier episode 
and we named something that he was involved with. I feel and like this is a contest coming Go up. back to our social media feed. Yeah, you can find him. You can find you can find him. If you call find him in. a free bottle of rose. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Listeners, listeners, if you can message us, if you don't already know the name, so not no, you. Yeah, Brian and everybody else, you don't you don't count. Yeah. If play. you don't already know the name, if you can go on a search or a social media content and figure out who I am dating, we will send you a free bottle of rose. I like this idea. Yeah. And not because and I'm not eligible, so there's no vested interest here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just like good content. Yeah. That's great. That's cool. All right. Our first giveaway. Our first giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> we'll announce it on whatever episode we force him to come on. Great. Erica, what are we talking about today? So today, as I mentioned earlier, we're talking about women in the media. And I thought maybe to start something we could each say before we get in the conversation Based on what you saw portrayed in the media when you were a kid in the, we all are about the same age, so like 90s, early 2000s, what is like, excuse me, ooh, sorry listeners, I hope you love that burp. What is, uh, yeah, women burp. (laughs) That one out. (laughs) No, I think we should leave that one in. What is your impression of like, Women, just based on what you saw in the media. So I can start to give an example. I think of one big thing I took away that I realized is that, like, a wife is often much better looking than her husband. Mm. Like, you just, like, you, okay. you can have, like, a fat, flabby husband. You need to be hot, but, like, a wife is often much better looking than her husband. It doesn't matter what the man looks like. He's going to have a... A hot lady. A hot wife. Mm-hmm. Um, Who does literally everything for him. That's what I was about to say, that, like, you do everything. You do everything, everything for your husband, your family. Like, not that n- nobody else has any values that's keeping it together, but, like, that's pretty much your, the, the thread holding the, or the glue holding everything together. And that... What was the third one? Oh, yeah, that if you're, like, young and unmarried, you have to have a really hot smoking bod. Do you have one? I'm still thinking. I have one, but it's sort of like a turn on that. I think as far as like when I was learning about the roles of women in family or whatever, I obviously learned from like my parents. But in media, Danny Tanner, who was a father who Mm -hmm. had to fulfill Mm -hmm. the female roles, what I learned was he needed two helpers to do Mm -hmm. what his wife would have done Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. her own. And so I just sort of, like, the job of a mom was just so big, Mm -hmm. but one woman could do it, but three men had to do it. How do you feel about the reboot now? Oh, it's garbage. Have you watched it? Mm-mm. I'm on season three or four, whatever we're on at this point. I'm watching it. No, nah, I mean, they didn't have an Olsen twin on there. I didn't care. Yeah, if there's not an Olsen twin, yeah. I don't want I mean, it. it is garbage, but I'm still watching it. Okay. I was going to say, you don't disagree with me, though. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Yeah, it was just for me, it was just seeing that, like, I what I was in store for. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to have to do the work of three men mm. to do what you're expected to do, which I'm very lazy and daunted by. <laughs> hard work so that just seemed very like watching that i was like oh god oh can i just die in a car accident like she did i think she died in a car accident like she did and have my husband do everything but it was just like for me it was just a lot it was a big reckoning i looked at my mom like my dad worked really hard and my mom 
also did, but like raised us from the home. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, I couldn't imagine my dad doing everything that my mom did. And it was just sort of like reckoning with those roles and sort of the disparity in in responsibility and the distribution of workload. Mm -hmm. It was just daunting for me to Mm -hmm. see. But again, it was something that had to do everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then as far as like looks and stuff, obviously you get the, the usual stuff, like just tiny. Tiny, yeah, tiny that's effect. what I, I I was trying to think when you posed this question, and I was like, what keeps cropping up is that I, I'm sure since we're all of the same era, I used to record on videotape the MTV music videos. Of course, Shame. yes, yeah, okay, yes. sure. Like, what else were you doing? With yeah, I watch my favorite, yeah. and I would rewatch, YouTube. you know, like. Shakira and like Britney Spears and everybody just over and over like play it while I was sleeping. I remember there was like one tape that I had that there was a Nickelback part in and I would always have to fast forward and I was angry that I had to fast forward because I recorded over it but I didn't or I didn't want to like I recorded it in the recording but anyway that's neither here nor there. <laughs> but <laughs> it's Nickelback always of the time yeah. Nickelback hating is always Nickelback correct sucks. but what uh, I guess what's just really sticking out to me is like is one like close like I have never really had a sense of style that's like 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 I, I dress, I wear the same thing every day, and now I'm totally comfortable with that. I don't care. I'm too right. busy to care about any of that. But as a kid, I would like cut up my clothes and like try to make myself look like these people in the music videos. And then I would like I would starve myself as like a little kid who was a hundred pounds right. anyway. And you think you need to be even skinnier, which is crazy. It's like how are we looking in the mirror, and how am I a hundred pounds in high school and think that I. I'm not the size of, you know, Christina mm-hmm. Aguilera with her dirty jeans on. Those were yeah, jeans. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. were chaps. Yeah, yeah. But yeah they weren't real yeah. jeans. They, and it makes me think of, like, to me, you saying that kind of reminds me that, like, I was really into all of those artists. You know, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, like the Jessica Simpson. They all had, like, their little eyes and their, you know, midriff shirt. And it kind of felt like you had to go through a phase where you were just like really sexy, really sexualized to become a woman. Uh, almost like that was like a rite of passage. And you think about like Britney Spears, she was a little bit more clean cut. She was always like wearing mm-hmm. more clothes, but she got like sexier and sexier as she was like, no, 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 I'm an adult now. And it kind of felt like, like I remember when I went to college and I was like, well, not Midriff City now, guys. Like, that was See, like, that's, yeah. that is wild because when I was like in high school and college, like I am ridiculously modest. My parents have not seen me like naked as a kid since I was probably four or five years old. I like, like wouldn't let them in. Like I, like I'm just a really modest person and like I wanted to wear crop tops and things like that but then I would just be so self-conscious about the way that I looked and that people were judging me and like people did like Yo, yeah. girls did make fun of you if you were like Absolutely. wearing something mm-hmm. different oh, a, lot of, a lot of triggering memories there <laughs> you know what I, I grew up terrified of like and I'm not over exaggerating this word terrified like I asked teachers about it at an age far before I was supposed to about body hair I was hmm. terrified of it. Oh, I did I not so want much it. Of it. I did not want it. I did not want to grow it. I asked why I had to. Can I stop it? Can I do? Like, I, it was an unhealthy fear of 
body hair, like armpit hair, leg hair, like pubic where, hair. Where do you think that comes from? No clue because, well, I actually, no, I do know for commercials and TV. Like, right. like you see the razor ads and people are shaving already shaved legs mm-hmm. and whatever. And it was just like, to me, it was like ugly, ugly, ugly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was freaked out by the idea of it. And even now, like I'm compulsive about shaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like, as a hairy woman, I do really feel like the media really played into like my complete, like hyper consciousness of the hair in my body and my dad actually wouldn't let me shave my legs until i was in the seventh grade Mm -hmm. but i had their like the hair started coming in like fourth fifth grade so by the time we got to the seventh grade there was like a nice layer of hair on my legs and my dad wouldn't let me shave it because he was like you're too young you're too young and finally my stepmom and my mom had to butt in and be like ricky you got. You have to let her do it. Like it's gonna become a thing now. You gotta let her do it. She's not too young. She's not waiting till she's sixteen. She got a lot of hair on her legs. Waiting till you're sixteen. Till I'm sixteen. He's crazy. He doesn't understand. But like, I know that you know the media and like all the mm-hmm. you know like the sexy Tony Braxton's and like the, the Tony yeah, I know I love Tony Braxton too. Um, I think that's really funny that that's the reference. Here. That's the first <laughs> one. You well, know. Tony Braxton was like one of the <laughs> only dark, what it was like Tony Braxton and Whitney Houston. Uh, These are my dark skin women that I'm Brandy? looking. To. Brandy, but Brandy, I, Brandy wasn't sexy when we were young though. No, she was. Heard you called when you walked out the door and walked out of my life. Don't start. Deborah like, Cox, huh? Deborah Cox. Cox, but she Deborah was just like Cox a minute girl. I listened to the How, How did you get here? Nobody brought to be here. But she was like, she just had like two thongs. But like, there weren't a lot of dark skin women, and Tony Braxton no. was obviously like the sexiest one. So let's just all like that to us. Yeah. I remember I had that song. It was one of the music videos that was taped on my on one of my series <laughs> of MTV tapes, and I would have to fast forward through it because it would make me cry. Unbreak my heart Every when Tyrese time. Gibson goes over the motorcycle mm-hmm. and dies, mm-hmm. which is, would not kill him. But can we also just real quick talk about the fact that Tony Braxton and Celine Dion basically released the same music video around the same time? Yeah, they in both ones? Unbreak My Heart and All Coming Back to Me, their boyfriend. It came out like the same year. Their boyfriend or husband, whatever crashes on a motorcycle and dies and the rest of the music video is them running around the house trying to get over the death yep music videos came out the same year i don't even remember that okay mm-hmm. Would i agree. have to look into it's it it's all coming back to me now is a much better song yeah 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 okay just so we're all clear yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean they're both they both have like you know they're I like up and break my heart great song on break my heart is good i'm break if you can do that the one at the end, that's like a very big oh, yeah. sort of pride of the singer. But all coming back to me now, it's just really epic. God, it's so good. Yeah, they were nice when they were so cold. Like, so cool. And it's just so poetic. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, we were all very heavily influenced by like the betrayal of women in the media, which in the 90s and 2000s, the go-go 90s. In the, oh shit, do we have another Bush of the President 2000? It was all just really, like, sexy. It was just, and I, I mean, I felt, it was all just really sexy. And I think that just had a lot of influence on, like, who we thought we were supposed to be. And it, I mean, but I think sex has always been a tool in the media, using women as sex objects in some way, shape, or form. But I think what had been sexy and what you aspire to had changed. 
Well, we were talking about something really interesting before we jumped on, and I like I kind of want to hear it again because I was still setting up, and we were talking. Well, we were all watching Fire Fraud or Fire. Fascinating story. Which, by the way, did you guys know about that when it came out? Yeah, that was a huge story when it came out. No idea. So I love like nothing gives me more joy than watching people with more money than they have brains suffering. And so it was just like it was for me Christmas. (laughs) <laughs> going on Twitter and following that hashtag and all these people be like, it's like a refugee camp. There's no water. And I'm like, okay, it's nothing like a refugee camp. It's not your debutante ball, but it's not a refugee camp. Although in fairness, they stuck them in what, like hurricane tents or something? Sure. Yeah. Like they leftover, like, her, yeah, leftover yeah. FEMA tents. Yeah. yeah. Wild. It was just like that part I love. So like for me, I was just sat, I literally didn't leave my house. I just sat there scrolling through Twitter, just dying. I pretty much follow any story that involves Jawu. I don't know what that is for Fair. me, but like anytime Jawu pops up, I'm like, "Are you ready?" Because he's Jawu. nuts. Like in those documentaries, <laughs> yeah, you see yeah, how yeah, nuts he is. Yeah. You need to stop doing that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Oh, she will sing through this I whole will podcast. Sing. Oh, no, I mean following Ja Rule that religiously. The oh. singing oh. keep going. I, at some point, got really concerned with his well-being, and oh. that's a whole other story. I did a commercial shoot with him. He's fine. <sighs> but he did not take enough responsibility in it. But we were talking about the Fire Festival, because we were talking about now a way that women's sexuality is used a lot is through the role of media influencers, and that's what really Which we are media influencers with our now, oh, five million followers. And by five million, we mean it's like six. my mom and Katie's sister. <laughs> <laughs> and Aunt Cheryl, who sent us these and Aunt Cheryl, shirts we're wearing. Thank you so much. Which we'll, we'll send you a photo. Is it C-H-E-R-Y-O? Mm-hmm. Is she named after the tugboat, the Cheryl Ann? Because every woman oh, with know. that name spelled that way from a certain era is named after some tugboat. A My tug mom is. tugboat? Yeah, I swear. Ask her. Your mom's a Cheryl? Yeah, ask her. Okay. Ask her oh. Ask her if her middle name is Ann. Okay. And if she's named after a tugboat. Okay. She no, might be. Cheryl, that, I don't actually know what her middle name is. Oh, shit. <laughs> well, we're all going to learn new things. But what we were talking about in terms of the way that women are portrayed and sort of the roles that we sort of get assigned, and Eric, you like sort of pigeonholed it very accurately in terms of like sex objects or moms. Mm -hmm. And from what, from sort of my perspective, we are portrayed, when you look at how women are portrayed, you have to look at who's portraying them. And while inclusion is, is coming up and it's not as exclusive and it's not as exclusionary as it once was, the people who are controlling what happens in the media and what goes in the media and what is presented to the general public, they're men. And media is a really good tool for subjugation in that way. They are able to, like if, if, if I'm a man and I see sort of like a current in the climate with any any underrepresented group, like women, black people, Hispanics, refugees, anything, and I want to tell a narrative or put them in a certain place i'm going to do it through media through pop culture Mm -hmm. through news media through books everything Mm -hmm. and i think a way that men do that in terms of women is to like they want us to act as and be seen as sex objects or moms and so that's what gets put into Mm -hmm. the media that gets ultimately produced and consumed Mm -hmm. so I think in a different world, an alternate universe where women control sort of the media companies and the and the 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 money who f- like for funding movies and for funding TV shows and deciding who gets greenlit and whatever. I think if that was women, I think from the start, I think we'd have very different roles in society. But the roles that we are given are the roles just that that are given to us based on media, which is controlled by people with a vested interest in our subjugation. 
Mm-hmm. What, is, do you, what roles do you think we'd stick men in if we were the ones in charge? Honestly, like that's the thing that I sort of I sort of wrangle with all the time in terms of like progress is typically pendulum shifts, and that's terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would. I think, just because I'm vindictive, I would want them to be in the exact same roles that we've been in thus Mm -hmm. far. But, like, ultimately you'll have uprisings and it'll go back. And I think the swinging is just exhausting. I think, like, I would like to think that we, as more diplomatic and level-headed humans that I think women can be, would have it be more equal. I don't think there would Mm -hmm. be a pigeonholing in any way, shape, or form. I think it would be less about what roles they get. I think they'd probably get the same ones. I think we would just get them as well. Mm -hmm. Versus now, we just simply don't. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder, then what can be, slash, what is being done to push back against that? You talk about how progress works in pendulum shifts with, where am I, in my words, Guys, at the end of the workday, but where where do you where do you think work is being done to push back against that? Because as you say, you know, we are we often gravitate towards roles that we see portrayed towards us or that we're told are right for us. I actually just went to a really interesting workshop for female leaders where they talked about pink collar jobs mm-hmm. and jobs that women traditionally gravitate towards. And if you think about, you know, the jobs you see us do in the media, when nurses, we work in like education, we work in communication, we work in all jobs that like the three of us have. Like, so right. like, <laughs> yeah, like, how do you start to push back against that? I think you get I think you get women and it honestly it comes from a place of privilege. I don't think this is coming from the bottom unfortunately. I think it has to come from the top. Mm-hmm. You get women who are able to sort of make that change. Like you get the Carly Clauses of the world that are starting just female only coding programs which didn't happen before. I think mm-hmm. you get there's a whole network of websites where you can submit like female filmmakers. And so people who have scripts or whatever can go to this website, this directory and look up female filmmakers just mm-hmm. to get a female in charge of their project. They have working in advertising, we have clients who have baked into their contracts that 25% of the vendors we use, like be it a TV production house or a web development company or an out of home company have to be minority-owned companies. Mm. Those sort of things, those only, like diversity riders, only those are going to make this change. But I think they're happening and they're becoming much more common. And I think a lot of people, the people who at present are in charge, see them as sort of like a thorn in the side. Like the diversity rider and the the minority-owned companies, you have to find them. It's it's hard work. It's hard to find them. I was about to, to ask them. you, yeah, like how, how does that affect your there job? There are some yeah. jobs that get completely railroaded because it's like, we have to, like, if say we have a thing called triple bidding and we have to bid at least one minority owned company, sometimes in some, for some projects, that's really hard to find. Mm-hmm. And I think in 20 years, it won't be that hard to find. But right now it is. But the fact of the matter is that the fact that that requirement is there is, is a great sign. Can you give us, like, one example of a project that you worked on that was really difficult? Yeah. I mean, like, it was for, like, an out of home company. So for a, a client that I, I, I probably, I don't even know if I can name it, but I'm not going to. We were doing a huge, like, out of home is, like, billboards, like, all the stuff you see, like, the bus shelters and the the, the stuff, the ads in the subway, all mm-hmm. that stuff. When you create that sort of stuff, you go through a printer and then you go through an installer. Sometimes they're the same person. Sometimes they're not. But to find, like, and that's all old school media. Like, that's not mm-hmm. new stuff. Like, mm-hmm. there's not new out of home companies popping up every day. There simply aren't. Mm-hmm. So those are all, like, good old boys. It's really hard to do. Mm. And so 
it was like the most simple project, just putting up a few billboards in New York. But it was really hard to find one company that was owned by a woman. Wow. And that was the only, like, there were none, no, like, owned by black, none owned by Hispanics. It was, like, a woman, or we happened to find a, a company run by a man called Suk, who was a Korean man. And that was that was really hard to do, but, like, that checked that box. But it took, like, an extra, it takes, like, extra time. You have to build that time in, and you have to have clients that commit to that sort of yeah. timing. Because there is sort of, like, a leisurely thing. But we did, we just ran into this on the MTA on the L-line shutdown. Like, I live off the L, so it's... Not it's, shut down anymore, right? Right. But because the MTA has vendors that they've worked with for years for updates and repairs and whatever, and they are vendors that are run by old, probably white men. And they had a solution, and they're like, our solution is shutting it down for two years. And that's just untenable for businesses. Like, there there were tons of businesses that were going to go bankrupt off the L. Like, on Bedford, sure, but even, like, further out, the com- the the communities that can't afford for, their like, their economies to suffer that much. Mm-hmm. And they weren't even considering them because, like, mm-hmm. they're like, well, this is how we've always done it. But Cuomo came in and have your faults with him whatever you want. But he found, like, a very nice black man and a woman engineer and just brought a little diversity into the room and they came up with a solution that had never been done in america before but it'd been done all you had to do was ask someone who wasn't part of the status quo Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden my commute doesn't suck anymore the far rockaways isn't suffering like it's Mm -hmm. not that hard Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's too hard for some yeah and i mean that's for minorities in general for women it's i mean it's even it's i guess easier to find like females who can do it because we we haven't been we've been the 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 shackles have been lifted a bit for us but in terms of like you're never gonna like cast a female as the engineer saving the subway you're not gonna do it yeah not now no you bring up something that makes me think of something that we've talked a little bit about on this show around intersectionality and how you know and i'm like trying to wrap my brain around like how this like influenced the media but that there are issues that women deal with there are issues that black people deal with there are issues that are specific to like black women and then sometimes people will write them off something that i'm particularly thinking about when it comes to the media is how sexualized women of color black women hispanic women asian women are very like that aside like Mm -hmm. how sexualized we are in Mm -hmm. culture and how that starts to play into the real world how people expect you to behave who they expect you to be how you're treated during online dating like i was like i don't do online dating it's a nightmare Mm -hmm. it's a nightmare for everybody but like didn't you say that black women and asian men have the worst yeah Yeah. like yeah i believe that yeah and like it's the worst kind of like and when people message you like who they expect you to be Mm -hmm. um and i would try to be very clear on my profile that like hey i'm like a nerd right i'm not I'm not sexy. If I am, that's an accident. That that wasn't <laughs> <laughs> not anything I'm working towards. Yeah, but people I was like talking to one of my be like mm-hmm. like this super sexy twerking. Like yeah. and I'm like, no, that's not who I am. I'm in the corner reading Harry Potter. I had one of my teaching artists over last night for dinner, and we were talking about this because she's on the dating apps, and she's probably maybe 100 pounds, and she's an Asian woman, mm-hmm. and uh, the messages she gets are pretty disgusting on right. on any dating app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But it's, again, it's, you have to think about, like, who is... So, for instance, like, you said fetishize. That's exactly right. Like, if, 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 a, if, like, a black guy only dates Asians, he's not seen as having a fetish. If... 
Uh, an Asian guy only dates white girls. He's not seen as having a fetish. But if a white guy does, he's got like a fetish. If he only dates black girls, he's got a fetish. But if he only dates blondes, that's not a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm blonde. You can't see me. That's not a thing. Like, I, I don't get fetishized. Mm-hmm. But it's it's through their portrayal in the media. It's like the sexy me love you long time. It's the whatever. But again, like, who is creating that media? And why are they doing it? There's always objectives for why and how a person mm-hmm. is portrayed in the media. Mm-hmm. And it is to serve some sort of role for the, it's a shitty way to say it, the ruling class, which mm-hmm. is white, straight. Well, you were telling us yeah. right before this a little bit of history of how that came about. Can you just reiterate yeah. that? Yeah, there's actually like a really good documentary, if I can just... Yeah. So at Jackson Katz, it's all about like, it's all with the boys will be boys sort of thing. And he talks about the history of like how we got to where we are. And... Back in, the, Vietnam was sort of like the breaking point mm-hmm. for a lot of this. Mm-hmm. So that was the first war we'd ever lost. We were like this big, badass country with this great military, and we got beat. It sucked. It was like the most miserable war we ever had. And immediately after that, and like while that was happening, so like we lost a war. It was, as a country, we were emasculated. <laughs> On top of that, women were finding their voice. We were burning bras. We were not shaving our legs. We weren't shaving our armpits anymore. We were just saying, fuck it, Woodstock happened. All this stuff happened. Mm -hmm. And white men were losing control. They were losing the control that they had. Women were getting out of the kitchen. We lost a war. The, like, civil rights movement was happening. White men had lost it. They'd, Mm -hmm. They'd lost the plot and they needed to get it back. So what did we do? We elected a cowboy to president. A literal movie star cowboy to be our president. Mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan came about. Rambo started. And, and what did that? What was that movie? It was one white man goes in and does what America couldn't. Mm-hmm. And it's just us, like, quote, getting our balls back. Twiggy happened. So before that, it was, like, size 14 was beautiful and buxom or whatever. Mm-hmm. Buxom was not a word you heard after that. It was... It was wayfish culture. It was it was twi- literally a twig, and it was it was men sort of portraying like reestablishing the roles in the media. Like you have gotten too bold, you've gotten too big. We're gonna make you literally physically smaller, mm-hmm. and like they sort of diminished the, our size and our role and everything that we'd had, and it worked, which is the really sad thing. And it only not only worked on us, but. And I know this is about women, but it also worked on boys. Like, yeah. like Jackson Katz will talk about, like, G.I. Joe's bicep tripled in size or something like that. That's not a direct quote. But, like, like that's where toxic masculinity came from. We had right. to, like, be over-masculine to overcompensate for our failure. Mm-hmm. And in, in overcompensating, we I think we really disenfranchised our boys. We made them bigger and tougher. And we made our women smaller and meeker. And it hasn't changed since. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of where I I think it came from. And I think there's a lot of validity to that. And it just honestly just shows the power. Like you put one image in an ad and it's Twiggy and look where it happened. Look what happened. Eating disorders happened. Like not that they didn't exist before, but my God. Mm-hmm. Like they telling women they have to immediately be half the size that they are at present. It's going to change a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's wild. And it worked. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean... Which kind of brings me back around to, like, my question earlier. Then it makes me wonder, then what can what can we do to push back? And I think I'm specifically thinking, you know, for people who don't necessarily feel like they're in a position of power. Although I guess all three of us have the word director in our title, <laughs> our job title. But we're still not necessarily, like, people that mean the money. Like, what can we do? I mean, I do think of, like, I, you know... 
because I work in arts education, I, and particularly because I work in theater, uh, theater education, that I am able to allow both young men and women use art and theater to portray the world either as they think it is or as it should be. And not only that, but to allow them to play into roles that they aren't like a big thing you know in my organization philosophy it doesn't matter if you're not a man it doesn't matter if you're not a supermodel it doesn't matter if you're black or white it doesn't matter what you are you can play whatever role you want to play and so I think using theater as a way to kind of like empower people to either to present themselves in a light that they never necessarily thought they could be you know we're learning a lot we've started up an alum program and we're learning a lot from our alum about how that actually carries on for them and the rest of their lives um being told so many times it doesn't matter it just doesn't matter what you are right now just right. play this role be something that you want to be do the thing they start to think oh my god what if I could, like, do that in the rest of my life? Yeah. Like, and just, like, be, like, one of our students. I know she's going in the film. Another one's doing, like, an acting scholarship upstate in New York. And, like, these are young women who are, like, so smart. And they've interned with us. And they've worked with us. And they're, I think they're even going to do more than, like, just perform and have an influence on that culture and be a part of that group that you were talking about, like, years from now. Right. Well, not even that many years from now. They're in their early 20s, like, in the next, like, five to ten years when you're looking for, like, you know, an African-American female director Mm -hmm. or you're looking for a writer or something, like, they'll be in that group. And that's, like, one of the things that I can think of that, like, I can do in my work that I can just keep encouraging young women that, like, you you can literally be whatever the fuck you want. Let me show you how. Well, I, like, I I did a class. My first or second class of the year this year was after the midterm elections here. And, you know, they had all, all the kids had heard about it. And what the facts that they had heard was that, the most women and minorities had been elected to to Congress, which was 102 out of 435, I think is the number. I think that's right. Yeah. And so I was like, look at the math. So 140, 102. I said, like, what's the demographics of America? Let's just talk in terms of gender. And let's talk in terms of binary gender right now. You know, I'm not, not negating non-binary folks or transgender folks, but for the purposes of my ninth grade class. Right. How many women are there in America? And, you know, they were throwing out numbers and finally somebody said 51%. I said, yeah, 51%, right, is Amer- American women. I don't know if that's exact right now, but I'm, I'm pretty sure we're like 51%. So, so how many men does that leave in the country? And they said 49%. I said, yeah, you're right. Okay. And I said, so here's Congress. We have these 435 people. And, you know, we know why we have Congress, right? And they're like, yeah, there are representatives. They represent our interests in the government. I said, okay, great. Ideally. We have, yeah, ideally. Mm -hmm. I said, we have 435 people. So how many people, if they should represent the population, should be women? And they're like, half. And I said, so are half women? And they're like, no. And so I said, are we there yet? No. Oh, no, we're not. And then we like backtracked how we got to at least this far in the midterms. And they made like a, they made their own kind of like tree diagram. 
And basically, they like worked back, you know, they talked about Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and like how she she came up, how she's like 28 years old or 29, however old she is. And she's just now 29? Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, they're talking about it. And what they boiled down to is they were like, oh, all these people are sharing their stories. I mean, this was a whole class that we went through. We like mapped and I was like, okay, how did we get here? And they just named it. They were making it for everything. And all three of my classes came down to the same answer was that people were sharing their stories. Yep. And people were being heard and sharing exactly who they are as people and what's happening with them. And I said, that's the point of writing. That's the point of my class in creative writing is just for you to share your story and just for us to write. And so I think that is a huge factor in this is that the more and more, you know, like you're talking about Vietnam War, I mean, people, people were writing and, and sharing their stories and, and making their voices heard. And like women were like, I'm fucking sick of, you know, shaving my legs or, you know, I don't yeah. want to wear this bra anymore or whatever and people really vocal about it and I think that is a huge thing in what I try to educate my kids and I think that's a huge important thing I mean I think that's the point of our podcast right now is that we're just trying to again share more stories and and bring another level into that conversation because it's it's just like the how we get how we progress is through many many layers and steps yeah and I think that, that stories are a very central part of that. And you and I yeah. talked in a previous podcast about how sharing stories is actually a strength of women. Yeah. Oh. So I think if you have more female leaders, it's not a surprise that sharing stories is a way that people are connecting. And I think on top of that, it's, it's sharing stories. And then there's one more step that's important is consuming those stories and supporting those stories and, and snapping for those stories. Like when you see Black Panther get greenlit, you pay yeah. money to go see it. You make mm-hmm. sure it's successful. Mm-hmm. When you see Ava DuVernay making another film, you make sure you go see it. Because the men, the white dudes who control the purse, all they care about is money. At some point, the, the subjugation and the power is important, but nothing is more powerful than money. Mm-hmm. So if they see, and it's shitty, but if they see that Black Panther made them a bunch of money, they're going to make more of those yeah. movies. They're going to green light more of those movies. That represent, like Because the reason those movies never got made before is because they like, won't sell. Prove mm-hmm. them wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, working in advertising, I learned at a very early age, like, if it doesn't work, they pull it. And if it gets negative response, they pull it. The mm-hmm. power of the purse is, like, the biggest cliche, but it is the most valid. So share the stories. And when you see someone sharing their story, support it. Because yeah. that mm-hmm. is how – it's those metrics. Everything's data. And money is the best data there is. And you have to do that. And that's the, that's the way that you, me, mm-hmm. you can can – sort of turn the tide is spending money. Right. And that sounds terrible, but there's no other way it's going to happen in a short term. Long term, it'll always happen. Yeah, right. Th- Movements happen. Right. But right now, if you want to speed it up, it's got to be with whatever money and right. means that you have. I have a really beautiful story about Black Panther really quick. Just Ooh. two seconds. When it came out, so I work, my the kids that I teach are in ninth grade and they're prim- predominantly all women of color Mm -hmm. and you know so and a lot of them are black women and my students were walking around going Wakanda forever you know making the sign and it was really cute and they were really excited and I have one student her name's Kayla DK her last name is spelled D-I-K-E and kids say dyke and she gets really upset but it's actually African oh and so it's DK and she wrote this dope slam poem in response to all of the girls walking around saying Wakanda forever and how she suddenly got 
like she got recognized because of this poem in the school. Like everyone stopped because she was like, I'm sick of your African, like your fake African accent saying like Wakanda forever or whatever, you know how they say it. And, and like making the sign and she got to like share the story of her actual country and like kids like sat down and listened to her because they were like, oh, that actually is like Wakanda or what it's based off of right. and started to listen to her. So I just thought it was like really beautiful when that happened. Oh, I was like, this is so like... Awesome. This is why we need, like, even it's, I mean, I actually, okay, don't kill me. I haven't seen Black Panther. I'm just, like, not an action movies person. That's what I, I, I didn't see it until the end of its movie run because I'm not an action movie person. And then I went to go see it, and I did not expect to have such a reaction to seeing so many people of color just be, like, badass superheroes. I know I need to see it. I might be wrong, but isn't it back in theaters for Black History Month in certain places? Is it really? Places? I feel oh, like it is. Shoot, I'll go see it. Also, I, because I Michael B. Seen... Jordan spent a good chunk of time without his shirt I mean, on. Other I, reason I, I haven't seen any of like the Superman or Spider Man. Well, yeah. So it Same. all falls I, in the category but That was for the me. original reason why I didn't go see yeah. it for a moment and got berated by a coworker who told me that Malcolm X would go and see it. Who was that, Marcus? Yes, I wasn't going to say it. his name, but you did. <laughs> I called um, him. He's listening. And he was like, for the culture, Erica. And I was yeah. like, I don't really want superhero movies, but then I finally did see it. And I'll admit, I went to go see it again because I heard Michael B. Jordan were topless. I do a good feel like movie. I've seen it because of my kids. They all told me everything that happened. Everything that happened like, to me, they reacted. But like, just like yeah. as a person of color, I didn't expect to have... Much like the night that Barack Obama won, I didn't expect to have a reaction like as a black person watching that. That I was like, I have a superhero movie. And then I was watching it and I was like, this is so cool. This is so cool to watch all these people of color. She'd be like, like this movie, there is a hint of slavery in it, but like that wasn't, most movies there's like a hint of slavery to something to us. And that is in the movie, but I love the way that they did it because the friend who I went to go see it with, we had just been talking about at brunch how I was like, if I go to Africa, I'm still American. I'm so American. The way I carry myself, the, when I open my mouth, the things mm-hmm. I say, they're like, they'll be like, oh, she's American. And I am now other. Like, I am not, I am not one of you. I am other. And they know it. And, and I'm from a, like a three generation military family. I'm so American. They captured that so perfectly in that movie yeah. with oh, Michael really? B. Jordan's character that I yeah. was like, that's exactly what I was talking about. He is, from Wakanda, he is removed by one generation, but he grew up in America. Yeah. He's got a totally different outlook. He's like out there like burning stuff up because he's American. It's, it's affected his oh, brain. He's really not African. He's American. All right. You've sold me. I, I will probably. Yeah. It it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. So the movie Us is coming out. It's Jordan Peele's second directorial venture. And it is the, one of the first, if not the first feature film with an entirely dark skin cast not entirely black cast mm-hmm. entirely dark skin mm-hmm. cast and and movie making america will tell you there's a reason for that because logistically it's hard to make a horror movie it's a horror movie it's hard to make a horror oh movie. yeah i saw the preview for this and i went no so yeah. is it but along yeah. the lines of like thriller like get out or yeah, exactly. is it more horror um i would say it's closer it, the preview's definitely scarier and God. it's but <laughs> yeah i was like mm-hmm. get out get out like made me jump so i date white men i can't watch get out that's fantastic you You, you haven't seen it put the money behind no because i'm going to go home and meet someone's family and be like why is your mother drinking tea right now (laughs) (laughs) no but movie making america will tell you there's never been a horror movie with a dark skin cast because it's it's impossible because the scenes are so dark you can't light it 
Jordan Peele mm-hmm. is proving that's not true. Oh, no, mm-hmm. yeah. It's not true at all. And I... I yeah, like, like with Insecure, they totally have proven that's not well, true. Well, there, there right, was that like, whole same thing in filmmaking about like 10 or 15 years ago where people were like, you can't have like uh, people of color leads mm-hmm. because they'll... And it's like, no, like actual cameras, you know, a white balance, like the actual... Yeah, ca- ex- the construction exactly. of cameras are a racist system as well. Uh, yeah. Absolutely it is, which is why yeah. this movie is so important, which whether you like horror movies, buy a ticket and don't go. Whether you yeah. Like a movie or not, like put your money behind it because, like, this is proving hundreds of years or a hundred years of movie making history racist and wrong mm-hmm. and it's so fascinating because again it's it's who controls what we see and why and and why and it's because mm-hmm. uh, it's a power grab right and I'll buy a ticket and won't go i'll go. I'll watch it with you. We don't have to go in theaters. I don't like to see scary movies in but theaters. The theater no. numbers you better are, get me wasted. No, but the theater numbers are what are important. That's what determines yeah. I'll buy a ticket like. and I won't go. That's okay. the money they need to see. Whether you go or not, I do it all the time. I buy a ticket and I won't go. Really? Just because I want to support whomever. All right, everybody, you heard it. Laura said it. Buy a ticket. Even if you go. Even if you Or maybe this could be the Rosé All Day community event that we're talking about. Other than The Bachelor. We could all get a whole bunch of ladies who are fucking terrified. We'll get our rosé. We'll sneak it into the theater. We'll all go together. Oh. And we'll all like hide our eyes when we're terrified and hold each other's hands. Maybe it's a good time for me to take a nap. Right now? No. The, oh. sh- the movie. Oh. You could take an... I could not sleep through a horror movie unless no, I have like sound If I've had quite a bit of rosé, I probably could. <laughs> the, the key here is the rosé. It'd be like, is there a good sleep? It's not a nap. That's blacking out. It's yeah. very different. <laughs> Potato, batata. <laughs> batata. You say potato, batata. I say blackout. It's, very <laughs> it's totally fine. Wine is made from potatoes. It's not all right, whatever. <laughs> uh, so as I'm, long as it's 2017. As as it's from, these are potatoes from 2017. We right? can make rosé. <laughs> food coloring. Do not eat potatoes. from uh, Any potato from 2017 is vodka now. Uh-huh. So... Don't. So really, the method here is drink vodka. Yeah, I mean vodka all day. Anyway, no, I'm oh. not. I'm not pro that. <laughs> not pro veto. <laughs> veto on that. We're not changing our branding for potatoes. We no. already have shirts. Yeah, I know. We already have shirts. We have a lot of merchandise and logos invested in our look. Um, so- I do. I, I do want to give a shout out to just all the folks who've given us so many rosé themed. Yeah, thank so you. Far. So we There's have so many people. And, yeah, yeah. In our last episode, I forgot to mention my friend Kate, who gave us the. The, what the Yes Way Rosé bottle. Mm. She gave me it as a gift for planning my best friend's baby shower. She's like, oh. and you deserve that. I was like, thank you. Um, we've gotten like so many awesome yeah, things. Yeah, I, when I, over Christmas, when I went to a, a holiday party at, um, at another publishing company, they were having a giveaway that was all Yes Way Rosé stuff with like a, a bag and everything. And the publisher like came up to me, or one of their publicists came up to me and she was like, you have to win. Buy as many tickets as you can. I was like, that's sneaky. I mean, you I know it's like, give it to me. I know it's going to a good cause, but okay, here's you 10 tickets. I'll buy them. We also ate tonight. We ate, I think there's one more left. We have had Rose Bonbon, which were a gift we from my friend. We stop plugging these people until they give us money. I, we should just contact Ooh. them and tell them that we're plugging them. All you wine people that are following us on Instagram, give us money. We'll drink your wine. And talk Bone dry wine. I've been looking at you. Bone dry. Call me. <laughs> Call me. Slide into our DMs. I really like your Instagram feed too. I think we could be a good Slide into our DMs. But we, is this Rose Bonbon, which was a gift from my friend Liz, 
who has been my friend since I followed her on the bus the first day of the sixth grade. And it's bossage, bossage, hot chocolate. Your French is getting worse. I know. Rosé pairing bonbon. Six rosé filled white chocolate bonbon. Crafted to pair with a chilled rosé. It's beautiful. The packaging is gorgeous. It really is. That's true. Yeah. So shout out to everybody who's given us a gift. We love you. What I have one more question. So what are you, is there like a movie or book or anything or company that you're really excited about right now that is like female and or like people of color or non-binary driven? My favorite show at present is Schitt's Creek. And while it's I put a lot about it. Literally all white people. The writer is a gay man, so I'm gonna take it and and a Jew. And the son of Eugene Levy. Well he's the writer. Yeah. Yeah. Well it, yeah. they they write together. The, Eugene yeah. Levy is on the show. Yeah. Right. But it's his son who is like the showrunner. David yeah. Levy is fantastic. It is one of the better shows I've ever watched. I think it's fantastic. I think it's smart. I think it is it's just like a good respite from the actual outside. Obviously like the most cliche answer I could give was I just I saw Hamilton on my birthday mm-hmm. and I sobbed for three hours straight and I haven't stopped listening to the soundtrack since <laughs> and it was the best night of my life. I will I could I will have kids, I will get married, none of them will compare. To um, Hamilton. To be able to say it was really funny and it was actually so John Lawrence is a very good character, obviously, in the in the musical, whether you've listened to it or seen it or whatever. But he was white when I went to see it, and I felt robbed. I was like, he's obviously like a white man in real life. Oh, was he the understudy or something? No, he like he was is it was uh, Thane Jasperson, who is a fantastic Broadway actor. He's a great singer, but like I just felt and uh, again, John Lawrence is white in real life. I just felt robbed that I was just seeing like a white dude up on stage, and I'm like, no, I did not come to Hamilton to see some white dude sing this part. And my friend Connor was like, you know, he was. Like, actually, what? It's like, I don't care. I was, like, actually mad to see it, which I think is fantastic. I think it is a fantastic tide to turn when you, like, walk up on stage and you're surprised and disappointed to see a white dude. I liked it. Welcome to being a black person. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Ah, wow. Oh, man. <laughs> I guess we already paid for it. <laughs> but those would be my two answers. Fair enough. Wow, this rosé, I feel like, escalated very quickly. What is the name of it again? It is called... Oh, God, here we go. Louis Jadot Rosé. From, uh, there's also some prints on the bottom that I didn't read before. 2007. Operation D. Controle. <laughs> oh, honey. I can sing La Vie and Rosa. Oh, my God. That's how I should close out the Oh, yeah. we knew that was coming. <laughs> hey, it's about La Vie and Rosa. It's the best French I can do for you. Well, Laura, thank you for coming on. This yeah, no, thank super you for having fun me. and amazing. I and love talking about just the, the evil straight white man. That's my favorite. Uh, we talk about the weight. The, the white, white patriarchy. patriarchy. <laughs> like the drunker we get, the That's more we're like, the say. white patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's great. So. I, I like, maybe it's the run that I did earlier, but this like glass has, or glass and a half. I even had a, no, just like a glass. Oh, you started with had. a pretty heavy pour. You did yeah, start it with was, a heavy pour. It was like there. Yeah. Maybe your thoughts are just a strong like rosé. Is it a strong rosé? That's the question. Mm, I can tell you. Yeah. What's in there? 
I feel like some of these are stronger than others. Why is there no... It's not, oh, the alcohol percentage? Yeah, not on here. Oh, oh 13% alcohol by volume. Oh, yeah. that's That rosé is get good it. party. Get the rosé, y'all. Get the rosé. You looking for a good night? You got, like, five kids, and you're like, screw this. I just need the rosé all day anyway. Yeah. And you're, like, hiding in the laundry room? You probably you, got five you, kids because of the rosé. I was about to say, rose. where do you have five kids from? Where did that come from? I'm just saying, I feel like moms drink a lot of wine, and they really Mommy deserve just, it because they have so much, so many oh, damn kids. My my cousin, so my Aunt Cheryl, her daughter, Brittany, my cousin Brittany, has a son named Cole. And uh, he went to school and told his classmates and his teacher about mommy's uh wine t- what do they call it wine o'clock or something like that <laughs> five o'clock and that mom drinks out of a mommy juice cup it mommy says juice. mommy juice and it's in a big that's plastic great. thing and that's i was great. like wow that's my friend puts it in her kids sippy yeah. cups well so it doesn't spill that's great. That's like back in the day when... Do the um, kids ever grab no, it? God, no, God, no. <laughs> I mean, probably. Now that I <laughs> then you got to like go for it before they get it. Wow. It has just been awesome having yeah, you. Yeah. Oh, no. Thank you. Episode. Yeah. Ramble. yeah, no. I feel like the ramble is the best part once the road day really takes hold. Yeah. Yeah. All right, winos. We're going to close out. This has been... Rose all day, anyways, with Erica Atkins and Katie Rainey. Our guest today has been Laura McWhorter. Yeah, she nailed it. I nailed it. I'm gonna sing Levy and Rose for you guys next okay. time. Okay, we always next oh, next, time. next time next time. Okay, I'm gonna give you all a break. I'll open the next episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, babes. All right, have a good night. Bye. Day life. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> <Bye. laughs>